The Utah defensive line is loaded with talent, but which players are ready to make a name for themselves in spring ball? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you continue to like, subscribe, and support our show. We are getting closer to 1,000 subscribers, so all of your guys' support means the world to us here at Locked On Utes. If you guys want to interact at all with me, you can follow me on social media at JT Wistersill or at Locked On Utes. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be diving into Utah's defensive line, the defensive ends, and the defensive tackles, previewing them with spring ball at the time this episode come, will come out on Tuesday is officially a week away from today it's crazy we're at this point in the season so we're going to break all of that down here and in order to help me do all of that it's our resident expert when it comes to the trenches and the former host of this podcast in brian brown brian starting with the defensive ends first we'll do defensive tackles in the second segment um i think the first thing that comes to mind when we think about the dns is with van fillinger we don't really know what his availability is going to look like because the last time we got a van fillinger update we just heard it was a lower leg injury so we hope to see him out there Jonah ellis is another guy who dealt with some injuries last season but Expect him to be out there. I think the two guys that I'm really excited to see more of in spring football is the first is Connor O'Toole. I thought no one personified development over the course of a season than Connor O'Toole. When you talk about where he was at the Florida game to where he was against USC in the Pac-12 championship game in particular. So I'm really excited to see him get out there more, just get more reps at defensive end. And the other guy is Chase Kennedy. This is a guy a lot of people have raved about. I got to believe his progress is one of the reasons that Mickey Sukuturaga is moving from defensive line over to the offensive side of the ball at tight end. So I think for me, those are the two guys that really stand out that I'm excited to see this spring. There are a lot of potential uh players i i, I mean maybe <laughs> that's the thing is is that you re- look at a lot of these guys and they're all very much in the same stratosphere in terms of ability potential we talked to uh, lewis powell last year during spring he said it's the twitchiest group he's ever had and so i think that that this speaks highly of, of exactly what you're saying they had plenty of room and plenty of opportunity to move mickey to a different position and see especially in the spring if maybe he pops at the tight end position he's got very soft hands long arms he's got a big frame he did play well for utah last year but he is a bit of an enigma he's kind of between a three tech and a five tech Mm -hmm. in terms of position he plays and so you know for for him potentially to see the field at the tight end position makes a lot of sense um the departure of tyler we i think probably speaks Mm -hmm. very loudly to the amount of potential in the room there um you know okana is another guy Young guy came in last year, I think has a lot of potential, a lot of that same twitch. You know, Jonah Ellis, we saw great things from him. Hmm. And don't forget that Lavani Damuni is going to come in in the fall as well. So you're going to see a lot of guys get reps and and they're going to try and really develop that position quickly. Uh, I think that Chase Kennedy is the one that most people would be excited to see as well. Simply because he's in a nun, and and yeah, other than being mistaken for Nate Johnson in in uh, a few articles because they wore the same number, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he's a pretty unmistakable force. He's he's six three, he's way more than two twenty three. If if my eyes are telling me yeah. the truth, and uh, you know, I think you know, again, we kind of know what we have with Van Fillinger. Uh, mm-hmm. 
injuries aside, uh, you kind of know what you have with uh, you know, Jonah Ellis and, and Connor O'Toole, although I think there's going to be more steps taken by both of those guys in the same direction. It's, it's definitely the Chase Kennedys of this squad that I think are, are really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff on Kennedy right now, too. I mean, he was rated the in, a number 11th overall edge player out of Texas. I think a lot of people, when you hear 11th uh, in a positional ranking in the state, you might go, eh. But when it's Texas, <laughs> that's where I think there's a lot of reason for optimism and be excited about what Kennedy can grow into. I think the you mentioned the word enigma a little bit earlier. I think the one guy on this defensive line that really exemplifies that to me is what we're going to end up seeing from Logan Fano in his first year, you know, coming off the ACL injury, transferring over to Utah. He's posted a lot of videos on social media of him working out more. How involved he's going to be in the spring is kind of up in the air. I ex- we expect him to be fine, but we haven't heard, like, is he ready for contact, all that things, as he kind of works and rehabs his way back. But either way, I think especially by the time fall camp rolls around, he's a guy I'm really excited about too. I mean, this is a guy who got 20 sacks in the season in college. And that wasn't going against just random offensive linemen. That was playing in one of the top regions in the state, too, in high school football, getting it done to the biggest levels, too, uh, coming out of Tempview. So I'm a big fan of Fano. And I think when he gets clicking on all cylinders, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe not. This year is the flashes. I wouldn't be surprised if next season, the 2024 season, he's Utah's sack leader. It's it's entirely possible. And I think the great thing with Logan is, you know, he's got an ACL injury that he's working to rehab. Excuse me. Um and it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's the same ACL that he hurt in high school. And so I think that's one of those things where you kind of wonder like, oh, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I think in his situation, he he's under better care. He's working out with some of the best in the state in terms of getting that ACL and, and his body rehabbed. I think it's a good thing. You know, this is, if ACLs are tricky and it's funny because we see some guys bounce back really quickly and it depends on, you know, we're seeing right now with Cam Rising. The, the various differences between you know, getting the cadaver ACL or uh, getting a graft or, or however many different ways they have of, of repairing it now. And, and some take well, and some don't, we saw Britton Covey uh, be affected by that. You know, RJ Hubert's another guy that struggled through it. It seems like Logan's bouncing back quickly. And so I think he's another guy that factors into that conversation. I think the unique part about this discussion, if I'm looking at it in terms of yeah. football sense is, okay, what, what, which one of these guys can play in that system, not just as a defensive end and, and rush the passer, but who can drop into coverage? Who can be yeah. that stand up edge that can play in that three, three, five that they love to do? Uh, you know, that, that cowboy package that I talk about that, that, that's become kind of a staple. How many of these guys are versatile enough athletes that they can play at multiple positions? Do we see more of Lander Barton step up at an edge? You know, he mm-hmm. played a lot of that Sam backer, which, in a lot of respects that they want to press on the line of scrimmage when, when certain personnel packages are in the game. So it, it's, that's really, I think what I'm, I'm curious to see with this group is which of these guys has the athleticism to be a versatile piece in terms of that defense. And, and really the other big part of it too is, is Morgan Scally's got a ton of experience returning now to a defensive unit that the more experience, the more education mm-hmm. these guys have, the more he can do with that system. And and that's really, I think, exciting if you're a Utah fan to see this defense be able to progress even more. Yeah, the creativity was something that came up huge, especially late in the season against USC when Caleb Williams was hurt a little bit. You could sell, tell that Scali smelled blood in the water and the different blitzes and everything he was bringing, the creativity was really masterful. And I think the one thing, though, if you ask Morgan, is he would like to be able to get more pressure with Fort because I still remember the first play of the game against USC in Rice-Eccles Stadium. Caleb Williams had eight seconds in the pocket 
and that's not even an exaggeration. You can tie it with a stopwatch and then takes off and runs for 50 yards. Stuff like that is just inexcusable. And overall, Utah's five main defensive ends from last year combined for 16 sacks. And I'll say this too, like the most important thing is pressures, but the truth is Utah's defensive ends last year didn't do a great job generating pressure. If I was to tell you higher or lower for the defensive ends we're going to see coming up in this fall in terms of sacks, more than 16 from the edge players, would you go higher or lower? Because personally, I'm going higher. You got most of the core group of guys coming back. I think you got another guy like a Logan Fano that I'm really excited to see unleashed and with Chase Kennedy's potential too. I, I expect this group to go over 16 sacks as a defensive end unit. I'm going to take the under on that Ooh. simply because I think you're returning a lot of uh, force players in Cole Bishop and Nate Ritchie who are going to play close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And it's going to be a, a sack by committee effort. I don't think you have to get pressure from the edge position in, in terms of uh, where the production comes from. I think it, you know Utah does want to get production from that front four. There's no doubt about it. Who they send is there for is, is going to be the mystery. And again, that comes back to how much, you know, again, you look at the difference in the game plan between week, first week versus USC in the last week of the season, not first week of the season, but the first mm -hmm. game that they played against USC. Yep. It's massively different because Utah knew what USC was going to do. And I think that's where I'm curious to see with so many guys returning that have experience, so many guys who have played in this system. You know, Cole Bishop is an absolute film hound. Yeah. And so he's going to have this dem defense memorized forward and backwards. How does Scali utilize that to his advantage? Because he's one of the best in the Pac-12, if not the nation, at using his linebackers and safeties uh, as force players. And so uh, for that reason, that reason only, I think we used to talk about the mayor of Sac Lake City uh, back <laughs> in the day when it was only Nate Orchard or Hunter Dimmick that would get the pressure. And you know, we saw a year with Bradley and I where he, yes. he stepped in that role as well. And I don't know that that's something that Utah has to do. And, and mm -hmm. number one, number two, uh, are you going to bet against Lander Barton? That's true. I don't want to bet. No, I do not want to bet against Lander Barton. I don't either. Like that. Like that's a thing. You know, you just watch his his arc and how he improved throughout the season, and it's just. I think we're still scratching the surface, and he's working out with a lot of the same guys. He's working out with Logan Fano all the time. They're working out with a lot of the same coaches and same groups and everything like that. You know, Connor O'Toole, all these guys. So you have to believe that there's a lot of competition between those guys. Uh, in and of themselves to try and, and and go out and be the best that they can be in terms of you know getting sacks and pressures and everything like that. So I, it's a fascinating question. Uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to say that I know the answer, but uh, I'm very curious with all the talent that they have how they use it. Well, I think you gave a very good answer though, because that's the truth. Is Morgan Scali is going to do whatever the best for his team and his defense and. Like you said, they had a lot of success bringing safeties, linebackers, getting pressure. I mean, Mahmoud Diabate was a guy who really exploded late in the season. If he had the same amount of reps as, a, say, a Van Fillinger off the edge, I think he easily would have let this Utah team in sacks with how productive and quick he was off the edge. So it's going to be a fascinating story to see how it watches and plays out. So the defensive ends, that's only one part of a defensive line, of course. We're going to dive into the defensive tackles that this Utah team has in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can buy on everything from the money line to the points scored 
threes drained. Like I said, there are tons of different options, including player props with points, rebounds, assists. There's even things you can do like a two times three, which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Brian, looking back at this one now, as we're going to shift over to the defensive tackles, I think there's less intrigue around this position, at least, because your top three guys are back. Junior Tafuna, Aliki Vaimahi, and of course, Samote Peppa. I think Peppa's the one guy that everyone's really excited to see more of with the way he broke out in the second half of the season. But I think it's nice to have so much stability and leadership at a position where it's so crucial to have big guys in there that can take on two blockers that, that can create that interior pressure. We thought that was going to be Junior Tafuna last year in terms of creating that interior pressure. Really ended up being Samote Peppa who broke out. So I think it's great that Utah has all these guys coming back. They all played a ton of snaps last year. So great experience coming into the end of the season. I believe they're all healthy too. So I'm excited to see more of these guys in spring ball as they continue to grow and evolve, not just as players, but some of them as leaders too. Yeah, I, I think the the good news is that you'll be able to slide Junior Tafuna into his more natural role as a three technique and and mm-hmm he won't have to alternate as much. I know that Utah likes their defensive linemen to be versatile and in his mm-hmm. first year under new coach Luther Ellis. I think there were high expectations for junior that maybe some people would think that he didn't quite meet. Uh, I thought he played exceptionally well yes. for most of the season. It just wasn't uh, the sacks. That's what wasn't there. I think that's why people would criticize him. But as we've talked about before, it's more so about pressures anyways. And there's other ways you can impact the game even outside of pressures. Yeah, and Utah's pressure rate, you know, for the season was pretty consistently, um, you know, average to above average, you know, an 84 against Stanford, a 56 against Oregon, you know, a, a 61 at Colorado. Uh, but, you know, that's you know, 84 for- against Stanford, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible pressure rate. You know, they had 75 against Washington State, and a lot of that was Jonah Ellis. Yes. Know, 75 against San Diego State. So they had moments where they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of comes down to, uh, you know, I think you look at their coverage grades too. It, it, and I think a lot of that kind of plays into the game plan. You know, for example, they had uh, a coverage grade of 83 against Oregon yeah. state and a pressure rate of, of 58. So you look at that one and, and I believe it was three or four turnovers, that they caused through the air against Oregon State for maybe it was four or five. I don't know. Yeah, at least three with Clark yeah. by himself and definitely four RJ Hubert at the pick in the end zone. There you go. So, yeah, you know, look at it from from game to game. We love to focus in on certain things that, that become the narratives because this fan base is intelligent. And, and I think they listen intently, especially when certain things get recognized or, or there are certain conversations. And if one year Kyle Whittingham says sacks matter, all sacks matter, then that's all the fan base will, will gravitate towards mm-hmm. so from year to year. It evolves, you know, but I think, I think you make a good point in the fact that they're bringing back three rotating guys that are going to be uh, super prominent in the game plan. They're going to be experienced again. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at it too, in, in terms of, of rush defense and that's where Utah really excelled. You know, they were high eighties uh, throughout the first four games of the season. You know, the mm-hmm. one, one terrible game where they were a 39 was against Florida. And I'm here to tell you, trust my words. It was not the defensive line. That was the issue in that game mm. End story. Um, in fact, I would even argue that 
the biggest reason uh, for for all those negative rush grades is is not even a problem or associated with the team anymore. So so people can take that for however the, the, what they want. Uh, look throughout the rest of the season, the only other team that had a really good rush uh, grade against them was Arizona. You know, Oregon was okay. Uh, UCLA, USC, okay. And and I know that people saw Utah give up a lot of yards, but we always have to remember like this is also a Utah team that finished top three in the conference in terms of all the t- defensive statistics. So again. The, the point being that this is a group that was still evolving through the course of 2022. Now they're coming back for 2023 yes. with even more experience. And and you mentioned the big guy, you know, there's going to be plenty of salt coming from the offensive line of the opponent when Simone Peppa's on the field. And and so salt and Peppa, it's a magic combination. It really is a magic combination. And look, Tafuna. What a man. Not. What a man. Yeah. <laughs> Mighty good man, Simone Peppa. <laughs> Those are the three guys when it comes to defensive tackles for Utah. For me, I mean, you look, see both the Putu towels also. Maybe they can contribute a little bit if there's injuries. But I mean, I do, like I said, I feel like those first three are going to be the main guys. But is there anyone else you think has a chance to really in spring ball kind of make them same name for themselves as it pertains to the defensive tackle group? You know, I've always named Tennessee Pututau as a guy that I thought had potential to to make that breakthrough. And, mm-hmm. and it started out at the beginning of the season. You know, I'm not sure if it was injuries or what, but he, he always seems to kind of. Uh, taper off towards the end of the year we don't see him as much so it in in my eyes it, it it's either an injury issue or it's you know he he's just not able to evolve throughout the course of the season uh but they've got a mixture of guys you know they'll lose Devin Kafusi that was a good piece to have in mm-hmm. terms of versatility Tavita Fodu still on the roster Lecky's younger brother I know a lot of people are excited about him uh, I'm curious to see if if anything pops with him at any point you know I think the one that a lot of people are pointing at is is Keanu Tanuvasa, who is a, a return missionary, mm-hmm. a signee from, I believe, what was it, the 20, 2020 class, you know, so, excuse me, signed in 2019. So, yeah, part of the 2020 class, you know, he's a three-star recruit out of Mission Viejo, which is a prominent program out there in California, 6'3", 290. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to start turning some heads with some people. And And if you watch some of the later game scenarios, you started to see him play a little bit um you know got six tackles one one and a half tfls so that's not a bad you know a bad start for him and and i think he's a guy that could factor into it as well also a guy who played with a basketball background too i know there's a lot of people who talk about like oh multi-sport high school athletes or some people think it's a negative you will never hear me today it's negative on this channel i love a multi-sport athlete and i think I mean, any of the guys who are able to do that out there it shows that their different athleticism or ways they're able to use their skill sets which is really important Especially a big guy, you know, and I think that it's very underrated when a guy who's 6'3", 280 is out there playing basketball when he's hooping. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's good, you know, the explosion part of it's good. I think, uh, you know, it's great for footwork. Yes. Even if he's just going from three-point line to three-point line, get shuffling, big man. Exactly. And you, hey, don't underestimate the big guys in the basketball court either. I don't know if I could find the video to prove this, but I, I swear it happened. Back when I played basketball in Ohio, for those of you who know who Pete Nance is, who's on North Carolina, I got subbed late in the game. I got on Pete Nance. He pushed off me. They called the offensive foul. I was like totally fresh. He played the entire game, but I do not care. I took that to the by Hall of Fame, basically, of plays. I talk about that a lot more than when I accidentally broke a kid's ankle by landing on him. But anyways, <laughs> we can save those stories for another day. So that was those were back in the glory days. But either way, multi-sport athletes, very important. We are going to come back in a second and talk about the grades we would give out for the Utah defensive line in terms of how they performed in 2022. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at UCCU. 
UCCU is opening a new branch in Vineyard to celebrate UCCU's giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terry Times 4 UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch, multiple driver planes, 24-hour ATMs, and UCCU's new brand new interactive teller machines, or ITMs for short, which provide all the benefits of meeting with a real UCCU professional, either in right in your, from your vehicle or going inside to the branch. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection, so celebrate with UCCU and it'll win a 2023 Kawasaki Teary times four UTV winners will be announced in April, but the entry deadline is March 31st, just days left for you to enter to win your 2023 Kawasaki Terry times four UTV. Once again, March 31st is the deadline. Stop by UCCU's new branch in Vineyard to enter or win and win at UCCU.com. So hurry up. Don't wait. And you don't even have to be a member at UCCU to enter. And there is no purchase necessary. UCCU love where you bank. All right, Brian. Coming in to close this one out, let's start first with grades for last year's defensive line. As a whole overall, I'm going to go with a B-. minus. I thought there were a lot of issues last year in terms of getting some of the pressure and breaking in, especially against the elite teams like a USC where it took a historic performance from Cam in the offense because you saw that group struggled. But And, and also they struggled against Penn State, which Penn State is a good offensive line, but still there were some struggles there. But also, as you highlighted, the run defense, very strong for a lot of the season. There were games like Stanford where they did do a good job getting after it. So to me, the reason this isn't an A or a high or B for me is just the performance in some of those big games, especially from a pass rushing standpoint. That's why for me, I'll go, a B minus. Uh, and, and that's perfectly respectable. You know, that's above average when you look at the grading scale. Okay. I'm going to go with a B plus simply because okay. I like to grade on a curve, meaning if you start out bad, Generous, and you get much better through the, the course of the season, that's, that's improvement. True. And we love growth. We love that improvement. We love it when, when groups work hard and, and, and really uh, move forward. You know, I thought, I thought it was an admirable effort against uh, uh, Penn state. Again, Mm-hmm. We talk about run defense and, uh, you know, the defensive line is, is the first front, right? Yes. But with Utah, it's always about linebackers and safeties filling in those gaps. And, and especially with run fits, it's one of the biggest reasons why they play so much man coverage is because they want those linebackers and those safeties to be involved in the run game. And at times they just weren't. And, and that's going to be, I think, an area of focus and concentration for sure as they go into spring ball and, and, and you know that coach Scally is going to have every single play circled that they didn't execute the way that he, you know, he wants his, his safeties group and his linebacker group to, to, to operate. And it's, it's not just them. The defensive line has to do their job too. I think you're going to see a lot of growth first year under a new defensive uh, tackle coach Luther Ellis. So there's mm-hmm. likely some adjustment and his technique and everything like that. So again, like I said, started off slow, Picked it up towards the end of the year. I thought it was a much improved uh, job by that unit. And and again, you know, I think you've got a lot of talent returning back that people are excited about. So I'll give him a B plus. I like this. We kind of go like good cop, bad cop. Like I'm being the hard nosed one who's like, well, I take into account every single game of the year. But I promise you, if I was a teacher like in school, I would absolutely do what you do and grade on the curve and give them credit for more so what they're doing at the end of the year. That is how you build support and build for the future as well. So I definitely respect that style of grading. We got yeah, one last I, thing. Yeah, what were you saying? Think, well, I was just going to say, I think when people look at both of us, they definitely look at you as the bad cop, me as the good cop. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. That's that is that is bad boy. Yeah. Bad boy JT Wister still. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking. I, I can't. You know, I don't even got a good transition for this. Anyways, you moving to Utah basketball. Mike Saunders Jr. officially entered the transfer portal. 
I think there are some questions just because it's like, well, he just transferred eligibility, all that stuff. Guys, I don't know what to tell you, but like the way eligibility and everything works off transfers, it can get wonky. Boost Gotch was able to go over to Minnesota and then came back just as quickly. And was and yes, he got hauled out for a little bit. I think there was some waiver stuff there, but eventually they sorted it all out and he was he was able to play. So this kind of stuff happens. I'm not surprised at all to see Mike Saunders. This was, I mean, he transferred to Utah anticipating to play. It didn't work out, whether it's defensive issues or who knows what else was going on there. Um, the UCLA game will always hold a special place in my heart. I think a lot of fans, too, who all year were clamoring for Mike Saunders. I will continue to say that I think he should have played more on the season. I know he was not strong defensively always, but I just think when you have a player that talented offensively and there were stretches where you struggled to get buckets on the offensive end, I think it helps to have a guy who is the quickest player you have on your roster with the ball in his hand and is capable at any moment to come in and get hot. I think that's a guy that's worth giving four minutes to at a minimum every game, seeing if he's got it that night and then potentially rolling with him in the second half. So yeah, I think coach Smith, I didn't love the way that this was, this whole situation was handled, but I understand why Mike wants to transfer and yeah, it's disappointing that it didn't work out because obviously there was a lot of hype when he first announced he was committing to Utah, Brian. There was, and it was a big get for a staff that really struggled and whiffed on a lot of guys that they were trying to get through the transfer portal and, and college basketball is a cutthroat business now, especially with NIL and everything like that. This is what Utah is going to have to fight through to try and build this program back up. Yeah. And for whatever reason, fans are most upset with the basketball program every single year in terms yeah. of it not meeting expectations. I think a lot of it is because most fans grew up in an era where Rick Majerus was the king and and everybody else just did what he told them to do and 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 the team was successful and you know you have a Cinderella-esque run through uh, the NCAA tournament and make it to a national championship game only to lose in in the second half uh that sets tones and expectations because yeah. those are the memories that stand out in people's minds and so that's what you want to experience that's what you want to feel again as a fan so I think maybe that's part of it uh this was a big problem under Larry Kristoviak, and now we're seeing it continue under Craig Smith. So it begs the question, is this a Utah problem? Is it a coach problem, or is it a, an, an NCAA basketball problem? And if it is, what are the solutions that are going to get Utah to the point to where they can compete in spite of losing athletes? Because I think everyone involved would admit that this was not the outcome that they wanted for Mike yes. Saunders. I think coaching staff, I think Mike would admit that that's not yeah. what he wanted to do. You know, I think even Raleigh Wooster would understand, like, I wasn't supposed to be the starter. I was supposed to be this uh -huh. guy. And uh, he was forced into the role because things didn't work out. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a frustrating situation for fans. And I think the bigger thing is that it's coming off of a season that did not meet expectations, especially towards the end of the year. Uh, I think the bigger problem is that, you know, this is a program where it's not just on the coaching staff anymore. You know, no. people complained about the curtains and then nobody showed up for the UCLA game and, and preach, you know, I, it's, I, facts. I, it's true. You know, I, I'll, I'll cop to it. I didn't go to a basketball game this year. Um, you know, I had a lot of other stuff going on and, and mm -hmm. then I broke my foot and that kind of ended my season in terms of uh, attending games, but uh, all the same, like it was just, that's something that I think the athletic department as a whole really needs to to sit down and analyze and say, what can we do better to support our basketball team? Because mm -hmm. I think Craig Smith and the players do a great job of thanking fans and doing their best on the court. Now it's time for the entirety, you know, not, fans who are complaining have every right to complain. If you have a problem with it, then step up, buy season tickets, you know, do something to where we can support the program so you can help it grow as well. Because that's, I, I think that's the beauty of the NIL 
and, and the changes is that you're not going to always get guys to stay, but you have a, you know, you have a way to follow up your voice with actions. And, and I think we all want to be a part of something great, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think for a lot of people who have great memories of, of the basketball program at the university of Utah, now's your chance. You can step yep. up, do whatever you can to help out. And, and if that program can grow and, and meet the, uh, the kind of success that the football team has had, you know, there's, you know, this you've watched basketball in the state. There's some really great in-state basketball players. There are. So maybe that's part of the solution too, is that you need to chase after some in-state guys to kind of build your footing a little bit. You know, you're seeing Jackson Brentley, Brentley leave and uh, somebody else too. I can't, Oh, Boston Holt, but. Oh, did Boston they both enter the transfer portal too? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I missed that earlier. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, Brentley is a guy who stuck around for a long time. It's probably time for him to go chase some playing time somewhere else. Yes. Um, and, and just, you know, I think that's, that is that is that is more of a credit, I think, to the staff than anything that they were able to retain Brenchley for as long as they were able to because he was yeah. a great blue guy and everything like that. And I just, you know, I think there's a lot of conversation that I think goes into just not just Mike Saunders going into the portal. Um, I think it's just college basketball as a whole and, and how things are going to be for this program and this department. Um going forward and and what resources they can commit to the basketball team. You're absolutely right. And I think you make a great point too. just talk about more fan support and more showing up. Fans want to play in great environments and there were multiple really good environments for Utah last year, but I think it would only help that if you do have a full venue and you have more people up top and you force the department to have the curtains open all season long. So the more support, the better that'll do not just this team in terms of the home court advantage, but it'll do them in recruiting as well and making the Huntsman a place where guys really want to go. And as I said, there were a lot of really fun atmospheres last year, but you can always be better as long as there are seats to be open. And especially when there are curtain shuts, that's definitely something that I think we can hope to look forward to in the future, but it's going to be interesting to see. There's already rumors about a couple of the guys Utah's involved in, in terms of the transfer portal this year going around. So be something fun and interesting to see how coach smith tries to get things on track because this was still a step in the right direction and yes the end was terrible it's been, already been over a month since this team won a game that should not be the case just a couple days after their season has come to an end obviously but still a step in the right direction the win versus arizona getting 17 wins when you only won 11 last year still positive and i do believe those would have been at least one to two more wins if utah had been healthy all season long but you could do the what if in the health game all day long. So either way, it'll be fun and interesting to see how Utah basketball closes it out. Brian, what are some of the fun things you have coming up with spring ball right around the corner? Yeah, it's, it's a definite change of pace for me as I'll be covering a lot of high school lacrosse and, and, <laughs> you know, university of Utah lacrosse. So you can follow me at Brown bear SLC, uh, subscribe to the Utah lacrosse report. If you're interested in lacrosse handling the newsletter there, also calling games with KSL rewind and also uh, football breakdowns. will be starting up the star of state conversation. So if you're interested in that and finding out who the next great uh, football players in the state are going to be, we'll, we'll you know we're going to start out this this spring talking about some of the great ones from the 2022 season and and hopefully get a few guys to, to maybe sit down and interview with me. We'll see. It's high school kids are a little different than uh, you think. It's hard chasing college athletes, man. Like <laughs> good luck getting a high school kid to sit on an interview for a little bit and and also uh, they're always learning <laughs> in terms yes. of how to give a good interview. So a lot going on, you know, at at FB breakdowns. If if you're interested in following along with the Star of State conversation, also we'll have some spring preview stuff. Um, working on an article right now about Cam Rising that uh, I hope is interesting. We'll see. 
Well, make sure you guys head over to Football Breakdowns to check all that great plug. stuff out. What's that again? <laughs> so that's a terrible plug. I hope that's interesting. <laughs> hey, you're letting the audience be the judge. You're not feeding them any random crap and everything. You're letting them make the call. I think if people could respect the honesty, we could use a lot more of it in today's journalism. No shots at anyone in particular. Anyways, <laughs> thank you for Brian. There's a broad, there's a broad yeah. audience there that can <laughs> absorb those ones, myself included at times. Thanks again to Bride for joining us. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, we once again recommend you check out the Locked On College Basketball podcast, but also grab your brackets and go listen to Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown with national analysis and insights from your local experts. The Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown is everything you need to make the most informed decisions on your bracket. Find an episode on Locked On College Basketball wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Brian, who's winning it all this year? Go Cougs! Houston. There you go. <laughs> the injury makes me a little nervous, but he should, I heard their leading score shouldn't be out for too long. I'm going to reveal who, who I'm feeling later in the week, but you heard it from Brian. Go Cougs, and he's not talking about BYU. He's talking about Houston. Cougs with two O's. <laughs> two O's in Goose. Exactly. Thank you guys again for listening to Lockdown Utes. We'll be back with more Utah coverage tomorrow.